0: This episode is brought to you by Great Waters Financial. Passion won't get you there. Passion gets you started, but if your purpose is greater than your passion, you absolutely will stay there. You've gotta have purpose. Aaron Walker, mastermind,
1: leadership coach, and entrepreneur joins us on this episode.
0: Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. I'm Larry Gates. And I'm Armin Asadi. And we're so glad that you can be a part of our podcast episode today. We think you're going to have a real treat today. In fact, I know you're going to have a real treat today.
2: That's right. I'm. I Honestly, before you even listen to this, can I just tell you I'm bitter that I wasn't born in Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I had that thought as well. (laughs) Well, you'll know why Armin said that in a minute. We are going to be talking to Mastermind Leadership Coach Entrepreneur Aaron Walker today. He has successfully started, built, and sold a dozen businesses over 36 years, right? That's like... He's the definition of
2: serial entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, and I'm like all over this, and he talks about in this episode risk-taking, and I'm like, yeah, I'm nodding my head, you know, just doing all this (laughs) stuff. Get this, though. He sold his first business when he was 27 to a Fortune 500 company, and he started it when he was 18. That's right. So (laughs) that's like way he, he
2: couldn't he, he wasn't legally old enough to buy alcohol <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly exactly well and, he, and we said um, that he is a mastermind because he has been in a mastermind group for a long time and he is also leading a number of masterminds and he's in a mastermind group with Dave Ramsey Dan Miller Ken Abram and other notables he is the author of the forthcoming book view from the top living a life of significance that's coming out on june 20th and he's co-author of the mastermind blueprint so without any further ado aaron walker welcome to the bold idea podcast we're so glad to have you on this episode
0: thank you man i appreciate Larry and armin thank you for having me on
1: oh it's our it's our privilege and I've really been looking forward to speaking with you because in some ways, I think we share a lot of that same kind of mindset and journey and in terms of being serial entrepreneurs. And sometimes, you know, it feels a little bit like we're, you know, at least my experience of being a serial entrepreneur, I think Armin would agree with his experience. (laughs) Sometimes it feels like we kind of wander from thing to thing, but you have started and sold 12 businesses. Your first, when you were 18 years old, you take us back and, and talk about what happened there.
0: Well, I didn't do them all at 18, but they started at 18. Right, I right. was really young when I was a kid, a teenager working in a local store and fell in love with the business. And then at 18, we didn't have any money. So I had to find a couple of partners, found two guys that owned the 21st largest insurance company in the world at the time. And they lived in Nashville and I approached them and we formed a partnership and I had to give up two thirds of the business in order to start this business. Cause I didn't have any money. It was either that or, you know, like don't go in business. Mm-hmm. So I went in business, later bought them out, sold out to a fortune 500 when I was 27, took 18 months off. And my wife woke me up from a nap one day and she said, you're getting fat and lazy. And this is not what I signed up for. And I said, well, what do you want me to do, Robin? And she said, get a job or start another business. So I went back to the company I started with when I was a kid, bought 50% of the company, spent the next 10 years I worked three days a week. My partner worked the other three days and we quadrupled that business in a 10 year period. And I'm going to tell you, man, it was a blast. We built new location, hired new employees. It was just fabulous journey until August 1st, 2001. And that day forever will be etched in my mind mm. as a pivotal time, but also one of the most catastrophic events of my life. was headed to office and a guy named Enrique was crossing the street and he didn't look my way and I ran over and killed a pedestrian. Mm. And I want to tell you, man, my life come to a screeching halt literally that day. And I didn't want to turn around Leary. I I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened to me. Yeah. Finally, I did turn around. Look, the guy was face down, make a long story short. He lived three days and uh, it, it really radically changed my life. So, Went on to open a construction business five years later, retired at 50, started View from the Top. Now I get to coach men all over the world. So wow. that's a 38-year journey I gave you yeah, in about two minutes. Yeah, but two minutes, uh, 38
1: seconds. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. All right, so I want to unpack some of that because, first of all, you kind of hit me with the running over the pedestrian thing. I think I knew that about your story, but even as you were saying that, I just remember all the times as I'm driving, it's like one of my worst fears that I would actually hit someone, and that mm-hmm. came that came true for you. That had to be quite a stunning event for you.
0: Well, I can't even describe it. I mean, God gives you the grace to learn to deal with things like that. You never get over it. You Mm -hmm. know, that was somebody's husband and somebody's dad, somebody's brother. And, you know, he was from the Philippines and they'd lived in Nashville a long time. Actually, he was a friend of my doctor's Mm -hmm. and that's a whole nother story for another day. But it caught me off guard. And in my book, I even titled it blindsided Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what happened things couldn't have got any better. We had a place on the beach and we had a place here in Nashville and all these businesses and business was unbelievable. It was so good. Two beautiful daughters and my wife was awesome. Everything. And then boom, man, out of the dark came this and it blindsided me. Yeah. Now, how did that change you then? Well, it radically changed me. You know, at the time it didn't, but I was so uptight and nervous. I just couldn't deal with the everyday pressures of the business, and so Robin and I prayed about it. We thought about it, and we said, you know, we're going to sell the business. I've been working since I was 13. Now I'm 40. I'm going to quit, and we did, and we retired. I sold the business to my partner and took the next five years off. I didn't do anything for five years, and we traveled extensively. We built a new house, kind of change of scenery a little bit, and one day Robin... (laughs) Woke me up from a nap again. She goes, "You're getting fat, lazy again." I mean, it's time to go back to work. And I'm like, "Oh, she, here we go again." She does this about every ten years. Is well, that what I'm yeah, hearing? She does. Here's what I discovered Larry in this, in mean is that I became very aware of what my legacy was going to be, mm. and I started thinking about that. And I said, "You know, right now, my legacy would be a poor kid from Nashville makes a little bit of money, is able to quit at 27." has a couple of houses and nobody cares. And I started feeling really bad. I'm started like, this is, I mean, this is not it. I mean, and I started thinking I had great success, but I had no significance. Nobody's life was better as a result of having known me. All my focus, effort and energy was on more stuff, bigger house, another home, I was a good person there. You know, I've been a Christ follower since I was nine years old. Mm -hmm. We attended church. I led the deacons, the budget and finance. Yeah, I did all the stuff. I did all that stuff, but I couldn't really point to anything to say, you know, Armin's life was better because he hung out with me and I tutored him. I helped him, I mentored him or Leary's life was really not better. He just knew my story and I said, you know what? From now on, I'm going to change my life to teach people how to be hugely successful, because I love to be successful. I want to learn to be content in every situation I'm in, but I want to learn how to be significant. I want to learn how to help other people achieve their goals and dreams. So I have to ask you, you've brought up two words that I ponder quite a
2: bit, success and significance. How would you define those two?
0: Well, I think everybody, Armin, has to define those for themselves. For me, I started thinking, what is success? Like, what does that mean? Does that mean three houses? Does that mean four stores? Does that mean, you know, a million dollars? Is it $10 million? What is success? And I started literally having to think about it. And I started thinking, you know, I like to have my own schedule. That's success for me. I like to be able to say, you know what, I think I'm going to go fishing today, or I think I'm going to take my grandkids to the lake, or I think I'm going to, whatever you fill in the blank. And then I started thinking, well, that's not just success, but I kind of like having a little bit of money that I can pay my bills. I don't have that pressure. I know I'm going to be able to pay my electric bill. So that's the truth. I'm just being transparent here. I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. I like that feeling. I think that's okay. I think we're supposed to kind of think forward about the future and provide and prepare for our families. My family is everything to me. I love to have an engaging family, meaningful relationships. Relationships are your number one asset, regardless to everything. Professionally and personally. So relationships were huge. My dad taught me how to do relationships well. He was a terrible businessman, <laughs> but people loved him. You'd want to hug my dad five minutes after you met him. Mm. And so I learned how to build meaningful relationships. I don't have to be friends with everybody, but if I'm your friend, we're going to go deep. And I'll, that is successful to me. I mentioned earlier, I want to have a clear conscience with every transaction. I want to be able to lay in bed at night and go, man, You know what? I didn't cheat Leary today out of a quarter. Armin was happy with our deal. And I absolutely have a clear conscience, taking care of yourself, learning to be content, but not complacent. People really get those things confused. It's not just saying, okay, I got enough money. Dan Miller challenged me on that. He said, you're 50 years old and you said, you're going to retire. You're not going to coach. That's the most selfish thing I've ever heard you say. (laughs) And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, you're telling the world good for you. Hope you make it well. I've got enough for me. He said, you can't do that. Yeah. but I want to build my business. I want to learn to grow businesses, but I want to be content in my personal situation. And then I started thinking, what is significance? And what does that word even mean? You know, Mm -hmm. what does it mean? Well, for me, success normally is about yourself and significance is about meeting the needs of others. Mm -hmm. It's learning to fully engage people. It's learning to listen intently, like put blinders on. I mean, you ever been at a restaurant with a buddy and you're looking at them, you're telling them a story and every time the door opens, they look over there or the waitress walks up and they're easily distracted or they're only interested (laughs) in who else is in the restaurant. They're not interested in you. I tell people, listen, it takes intense amount of focus to stop doing that. You want to be significant to somebody, lock eyes with them in a conversation, your wife, your children, your peers, your colleagues, and listen. It's one of the best gifts you could give somebody. It makes them feel significant help others when they can't repay you. Mm. We look for ways now to help people that they don't even know. We do it anonymously because it does something in you, in your spirit. It does something be available when it's not convenient. People say I'm busy. Well, I'm busy. Who's not busy. (laughs) We're all busy. Stop being that way. A hundred percent for you. Help people when it's not convenient, give above and beyond. People say I'm going to do just enough to get my money. Listen, leave them with a nice taste, you know, give them a little extra, more compliments, a a, a mint, give them an extra 30 minutes in coaching, whatever you do, give more. And then the last thing really quite honestly for me is I want to have the foresight to invest long-term in other people's life Mm. so I could potentially impact generations to come. If I do that, then I think I will have been significant.
1: Yeah. Now you have a book coming out June 20th, right? You from the top. That's living a time. life of significance. June 20th,
0: baby. It's like giving birth to a child. <laughs> That's the day it comes. June That's 20th. right.
1: I'm guessing that that book is all about what you're talking about here in, in terms of that whole transformative experience for you and really how to live a life of significance.
0: Yeah, hundred percent, man. Without a question, I go through every bit of that in the book.
1: Yeah, great. Great. What are some of the key things? takeaways. I know why you wrote it now, because you wanted to leave this kind of lasting legacy as a consequence of the experience that you went through, but what are some of the key takeaways that you want your readers to have after they've read that book?
0: Well, Larry, that's a great question, buddy. I'll tell you, one of the main things in it is I want to be able to show people that regardless of your background, because we had no privileged background, We lived in a house that my dad gave $6,500 for, and we later lost it in bankruptcy. Mm. We had to move in with my cousin. You know, we had food to eat and all that, but my dad was a terrible business person. And I show people how you can go from that to doing some of the things. I didn't do anything special. I just worked hard. I had a lot of grit, determination, perseverance. Uh, God showed us great favor through all that. Uh, As I said earlier, I'm a Christ follower, so we give God everything right off the top, right Mm -hmm. at the beginning as I said, I've been a Christ follower since I was nine years old. I looked mm-hmm. for him for leadership and direction and guidance in my life, and I talk about that a lot in the book. There's some scripture in the book that I reference back. My mom had a saying when I was a youngster. She would say, I'm not going to allow you to say the word can't, and I didn't understand that. And I hated it when I was a kid. <laughs> she had this little saying that has become my life mantra, and that's can't, couldn't do it, but could did it all. Hmm. And she would force us to try things. Well, as a result of that, Larry, you know what happened is that I gained more confidence, more self-esteem because some of the things that she forced me to do, I was able to do. So I developed a mindset of can do. And so I want people in this book to feel that. I want them to feel, hey, with enough instruction, with enough practice, with enough grit, determination, perseverance, if you want it bad enough and you got to have purpose, right? Passion won't get you there. Passion gets you started, but if your purpose is greater than your passion, you absolutely will stay there. You've got to have purpose. Yeah, that's, yeah,
1: that's great. Now, your mom instilled in you quite a good mindset there, which kind of probably prompted you toward your first business when you were 18, but kind of how did you decide or when did you decide that you had this entrepreneurial disposition? Cause it's not for everybody, right? Starting a business is not everybody's no, cup of no, tea. Absolutely. Here,
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh, when when I went into business, I went back and asked my mom about it. You know, I said, Hey, I've got this opportunity to go in business. And I said, I don't have any money, but I'm going to devote my time, effort and energy into it. And I've been in this business for about five years now from 13 to 18. And I know, I know what I'm doing, but I just don't have any money. I said, but they want me to sign a bank note with them for $150,000. Now that was a lot of money, man, back in the late seventies. Yeah. It's a lot of money today, but when you're 18 years old and here's what my mom said, you got nothing to lose. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, What you... are they going to come and get? nothing?" <laughs> and I'm like, well, you got a good point. So I went to the bank, signed it and Robin and I got married two weeks out of high school. Oh And my goodness. Robin would come and help me work in the business. And here's what we decided to do. I told Robin, I said, Robin, you, you are more poor. If there's such a word than I am, we cannot <laughs> screw this up. We may never get this chance again for the rest of our life. And here's what we need to do. We need to pour all the money we make back into the business. We paid that 10 year loan off in 36 months. And then we went, I was 21 years old. I had a paid for business and we repeated that four times. Now, here's my point to everybody, delay gratification, right? Here's the problem today. It's a microwave society. Everybody wants it right now. Yeah. Listen, as Dave Ramsey, one of my good friends says, live like no one else today. So later you can live like no one else. And I talk about that in the book, delay the gratification. Don't have a mindset of Friday and next month. Have a mindset decades yeah. down the road.
1: You remember so the, that's what Robin and I did. Yeah. You remember the line from postcards on the edge, Meryl Streep said instant gratification isn't fast enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's the mindset that we have developed today. <laughs> it's it's true. We live in this microwave society. Yeah. It's hard work, determination, determination. You know, I tell everybody work like it depends on you and trust like it depends on God. Take all the money, pile it back into the business, and later you'll have something that a Fortune 500 company will want to buy. This is the Bold Idea Podcast.
1: Hey, Armin, I have a question for you. A
2: little nervous, but go ahead, bring it on.
1: What would your 65-year-old self say to you right now?
2: Oh, well, it would probably start with a slap upside my head and follow with a please stop being an idiot. Ha, exactly. I'm glad you agree. Thanks a lot. Larry. How did you know? <laughs> Have you encountered my old self? <laughs> no, I've
1: encountered mine too. Oh, that's why we all need to know about Great Waters Financial.
2: All right. Listen. All kidding aside, Great Waters Financial is a company that I would put my name and reputation behind any chance I get. It's a company filled with people that I know firsthand, have character, have integrity, you can trust and you can rely on. And this is a company that I believe is one of the best at what they do. Great Waters Financial,
1: based here in Minneapolis, is a financial planning team that will help you customize a financial plan just for you to get you into retirement and to live it greatly. And they prepared a report for our listeners to download. The six things your 65-year-old self would want you to know about Social Security.
2: And if you want to see that report, just go to greatwatersfinancial.com forward slash
0: bold idea. Investment advisory services offered through AdvisorNet Wealth Management. Great Waters Financial and Advisor Net Wealth Management are not affiliated. Insurance products provided by Great Waters Financial, a Minnesota insurance agency.
1: All right, so now how did you discern God's prompting and calling for you in terms of some of the ideas that you came up with that said, hey, this is something I feel God's calling me into to to start this business?
0: Well, we may have a different philosophy in this and I'm okay with that if we do. So I'll I'll go ahead and just share the way I feel about that. So God's not sending out postcards, right? He's not Mm -hmm. making phone calls. I think he puts people around you. I think he gives us a free will and a free spirit. And I think if I'm living for Christ today, he gives us the ability to make choices. Now, Mm -hmm. whether it's this business or that business, whether it's a red car, blue car, whether I live in Nashville or California, I think he gives me permission to live inside of this sphere. I necessarily personally don't think God's will for your life is a point. Mm -hmm. I think it's an area. Mm -hmm. And I think as long as we're giving him the glory, him the honor that he so rightly deserves, I think that he gives you permission to kind of operate within that boundary. So for me, I believe in trusted advisors, at which I've been in mastermind groups now for decades I go to the scripture and I pray and I spend 30 minutes every morning in solitude, just quiet because God says he speaks to you in a small, still voice. Well, if you're busy working on the internet, you may miss what he's got to say every morning for decades. For me, it's been that way. I spend the next 30 minutes in prayer. I have two lists, pray for all my clients and I pray for all my family. The next half hour, I read scripture. So it's an hour and a half to two hours every single day, five days a week. I don't do it on Saturday and Sunday because I'm at church on Sunday. But I start my morning out that way every single day. It is absolutely, there's no compromising that because if I'm not spending time with the father, how can I hear his voice? And so then he lays on my heart and I say, God, if you don't want me to do it, close the door. If you do want me to do it, you just keep opening the door. There's no, I'm too stupid Armin. <laughs> I mean, I'm too stupid to do the things I've done. It has to have been directed by God. And then you can point back to him and say, it's only because of God that this worked out because I'm too stupid to make these decisions mm-hmm. and I just follow the Holy spirit and I follow the scripture and I follow the trusted advisors.
1: Yeah. A minute ago you talked about the power of purpose. So unlock that a little bit in terms of, you know, how do you know if you have a good purpose?
0: Well, yeah, there again, I think it's like defining success and significance. I think everyone has to make that calculation on their own. For me, it's helping ordinary men become extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And that's a very broad definition of what we do here. But let me give you an idea of passion and purpose, the difference in the two. If there were two buildings standing side by side, a hundred stories high, and I put a plank across the two and said, uh, Larry, you know, Hey, I'll give you 10 bucks to walk across this board. There's no way you could not drag you across that. Mm -hmm. But if I took one of your children and put on top of the building and set the building on fire, no amount of money would keep you off of the plank, mm-hmm. right? Your purpose is much greater now at this point. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell people. Listen, if you get up every day and you've got to do it, so you would have to go across the plank to rescue your child. That's the way I feel now about what I'm doing. I wake up every day. I don't even like going to sleep because I'm like, I got to quit doing what I'm doing. I can't wait to get up. And I'm not, I'm don't say that tongue in cheek. I literally can't wait to get up because I get to do it again. That's purpose.
1: When did the purpose that you have right now to inspire men to become extraordinary? When did that take shape for you?
0: Well, you know, 2001, August 1st, when I <laughs> killed a pedestrian and I thought how fragile life is and what would my legacy have been? And there was a sense of guilt that I felt that my life was all about me mm. and I started turning around. Look here, let me show you what's happened though. Lira. Here's what's so cool is that people think they got to choose. They think, oh, you got to be a missionary, sell all your stuff and go to Africa. That's nothing further from the truth. Mm -hmm. Some of my best friends make insane amount of money, but they give away insane amounts to Mm -hmm. help projects, to help people have a more purposeful and meaningful life. We need people to make money. You got Dave Green owns Hobby Lobby. He's giving away an insane amount of money. He's teaching my friend Dave Ramsey right now how to do the same thing in different areas of the country, how you can, it's a whole nother, we have to have me back on. We'll give a financial talk. But anyway, when you discover that your life is for a bigger reason than just yourself, then you will discover your purpose.
2: So I have a lot of, you know, young guys that I'm surrounded by that struggle in figuring out what their purpose is. What do you say to people who struggle figuring out what their purpose is?
0: Well, invest more time with the father. A lot of people get busy and they pull back their quiet time. And I suggest when you get busy, you need to invest longer and more time. You know, here's the thing. God is not a God of confusion, right? He'll give you that peace, but you got to spend the time. Here's what people do. They tip their hat at God. They want to get up in the morning, say a prayer, five minute Bible study, out the door they go. Mm -hmm. Well, how would your marriage work out if you did that with your wife? Hey, honey, good to see you. God bless (laughs) you. See you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You give her five minutes. See, that's not a relationship. We got to quit saying, people say, oh yeah, God's important. Well, how much time are you spending with him? How much time are you in the word? How much time are you in prayer? You know, people, their actions speak what's important to them. You can say whatever you want, but your actions are screaming at me. And you invest your energy, effort, and time into things that are important. And so I don't say you have to do it for an hour, hour and a half. But if you're tipping your hat to God, good luck in hearing him because he's given us 66 books to tell us what we need to do. You surround yourself with trusted advisors. You subject yourself to their scrutiny. You get on your knees before the Lord. You pray. You ask God for leadership. He'll open the doors. He'll show you what your purpose is, but you got to spend time doing it.
1: Mm. Was there a time in your life when you realized you really had a pretty dumb idea that you were chasing?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did. Robin and I was going to do a big business deal not long ago, and it would take, Forever to unpack it here, but we both said this is going to be good. It was a big deal. It was a big life transformational decision. And she goes, "What about your guys? What do they think?" And I said, "I hadn't told them yet." So I went and told them, and eight of the ten in the mastermind group said, "Don't do it." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And they said, "Here's why." And they each gave me their reason why. It made perfect sense, Larry, We don't know what we don't know. Yeah, yeah. We only have one filter. <laughs> we only have one life experience. But when you surround yourself with the counsel of the multitudes, people that are very, very wise, and you put them together in a group to look at you, you become the center of attention. Now the IQ just went to genius. Right. And it has helped me and protected me for two decades.
2: So you keep referencing mastermind groups. I know what they are. So does Larry. But I think there's people that are listening that probably don't know what they are. Could you tell us what a mastermind group is and how many you're involved in?
0: Yeah. Well, I'm involved in several. You know, I facilitate seven groups every week myself. And then I'm in another group with Dan Miller, 48 Days to the Work You Love. Dave Ramsey invited me back. We became friends in 1995. He was on one radio station in Nashville. I met him at a chamber of commerce breakfast. It's been 22 years ago now. And he offered to give me advertising to try him, And I turned him down. I said, no way, man, you got this crazy financial show coming on. I, I'm not interested. He said, well, I'll give you advertising to at least try me for a week. Well, three days in, I signed up for a year and I spent 21 years as his sponsor <laughs> on the show. He's on 700 sto- shows now that talk to 10 million listeners a day. And he invited me to join his mastermind group. And I was like, what is a mastermind group? And he said, just trust me. So I came to his office and we spent hour and a half every Wednesday for 10 or 12 years in his office with these other guys here in Nashville. We all live in Nashville. And at first it felt so awkward. It was like, golly, man, this feels strange. And then the guys started sharing behind the scenes stuff. And it was like, man, that was personal. And then they're like family stuff. And then it became a safe place. And then I thought, man, this feels good because I need people that I can share these things to get their input. So that's what we do now. And I do that on a weekly basis. It's called iron sharpens iron where one man sharpens one man as iron sharpens another It's Proverbs 27, 17 but it's a biblical concept. I mean, Jesus had 12 around him, right? He Mm -hmm. had guys around him all the time. And it's the same concept now because the enemy to excellence is isolation. If you don't want your life to go anywhere and you don't want to have other feedback, just stick to yourself and you're going to get the same thing that you've always got. But when you put yourself in front of people that don't have anything to gain or lose as a result of what they tell you, you're going to get the truth. And so I've just elected to live my life that way and it's paid big dividends. So who's been a consistent source of inspiration to you when you needed it most? These masterminds have been incredible for me. You know, we have people like Dan Miller, 48 Days to the Work You Love, and Dave Ramsey and Ken Abraham. Ken's got about 115 books in print now. Jeff Mosley owns i Records. There's a number of guys like that. And here's the thing. Your listeners are sitting there going, oh, yeah, I would be in a group with them too if I could. <laughs> hey, well, hold on. Listen to this. Yeah. They weren't then who they are now. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So yeah. we've grown our businesses together because of the mastermind. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to start with those guys. Mm-hmm. We were all just, Hey, we're just out here trying to make it. Dave was on one radio station. So, you know, Ken hadn't written hardly any books. Now he's ghostwritten written books for some of the most famous people on the planet as a result of this mastermind group. That, that's what I'm saying. That's why it's so important. When you say who's given you that source of inspiration, it's, Allowing myself to be transparent, to be vulnerable. See, here's the thing. I mean, you know well as I do, we all want everybody to think well of us. And so as a result of that, we build a shield. We've got this wall that's in front of us and we're living a lie because we don't want you know, Leary to know that you don't know the answer to that or we don't want each other to know that you're having trouble in your marriage or we don't want people to know that you're having this addiction problem or you're about to fall off the cliff. And so what you do is you implode. But when you let that shield down and you get guys around you and they go, Oh man, you're going to run off a cliff. You can't do that. Let me introduce you to this guy. Let me help you with your finances. Let me help you with your thought life. Let me hold you accountable. Man, it's guardrails. It keeps you in the center of the road. And they really are there to call you to a higher purpose. Well, that's the sole reason Yeah, because they have nothing to gain. Yeah, right. Exactly. Nothing. these other people have to gain. Yeah.
1: That's excellent.
0: Didn't you write a book about mastermind groups? I did. I wrote the mastermind blueprint. Matter of fact, it's coming out in May. Yes, I did. And with your new book, aren't, you're doing some kind of giveaway with that, aren't you? I am. Here's the thing. It's pretty cool too. The guy gave me this idea and I said, well, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm going to do the whole thing. <laughs> so I wrote a book, I wrote a book it's called view from the top. And I've already told you kind of what that book's about. Then I wrote the mastermind blueprint and we were pretty psyched up. We got Seth Godin's endorsement couple of weeks ago and he said wow. this book is amazing and he gave us his endorsement so I said here's what I'm going to do for the people that pre-order the book before June 20th of 2017 I'm going to give my book away I'm going to give the mastermind blueprint away and there are five interviews that I do with some leading authorities real thought leaders in our industry one of them led a 175 billion dollar corporation. For ten years, had twenty thousand employees that worked under him. I'm not going to tell who it is. It's going to be a secret. Yeah, but, but what I'm, does he know, yeah, right? <laughs> I'm going to give all five of those interviews away, the mastermind blueprint, and the book "View from the Top." For those that pre-order it, you get it at viewfromthetop.com forward slash book. Well, you know, it sounds like you're throwing
1: out the baby and the baby, not the baby in the bathwater. Cause I don't see any bathwater there. What a deal. Well, we'll, we'll be sure to have the links to all that too. Now I know that there might be a number of our listeners who are probably considering being an entrepreneur. You know, they're maybe in a job and they're thinking, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the itch. I've got this idea, or I'm not quite sure if I've got this idea, but I do need to get into business for myself. What, you know, having gone through this 12 times, having sold business, well, and you're still in your own business right now with a view from the top, right? What would you say to them are the most important things they should consider?
0: Well, here's the thing, you, depending on where you're at, I never tell everybody, you know, hey, go do it. You know, it's mm-hmm. like some people don't have the temperament right. for it. I've not worked for anybody in almost forty years. I've worked for myself. I had to go out and do it, but I'm not risk averse. You know, it's it's just that I'm I'm willing to do it. I mean, I I started out that way. I'm willing to do it now. Let me say this though, as I get older, I'm a little more cautious because I don't have as much time to catch up, right? And I've got a wife to think of. A lot of you guys out there in a corporate job, and and you may be suited for that fine, but if you are hinging on it, if you are thinking about it. I would interview a number of entrepreneurs. There's some real pitfalls in being an entrepreneur. I mean, listen, it's not for the faint at heart. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really not, but let me say this on the flip side, there are great rewards, Mm -hmm. right? So if you, if you're good where you're at, that's good. But see, I like to, I don't like to use the analogy of roll the dice, but I don't gamble, but I am willing to risk a certain amount for the greater gain. Mm -hmm. So I would just say, talk to people that have been there, done that before, I ask a million questions. I always have. I interview people all the time. Matter of fact, there's a list of questions that I ask people, how do you see me in this light? And I do it all across the board for people. I want to make sure I'm asking plenty of questions. I'm not the guy that goes, oh yeah, I know everything. I got this figured out because you don't. I mean, I promise you, you don't have it all figured out. So spend a lot of time interviewing other entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. That's good. When, when I get
1: asked that question, I say, come on in. The water's warm, but just be aware sharks live in warm waters. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do. But
0: its you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, and me too. Just for, my, just for my own personality. I can't lay in bed at night and think, would it have worked? That would kill me. Oh. You'd have to just stab a knife at me. I'm like, hey, I'm going to try it. And the reason I feel that way, and this is, you'll have to have me back. We'll talk about yeah. this. Is I have another life mantra and that's fear missing an opportunity more than you fear failure. Yes. See, because I don't even believe in failure. I believe you succeed or you learn. Mm -hmm. And most people are afraid they let failure hold them back and they let the neighbors and they let their family go, you know, he's not going to make it. They let the naysayers in. I don't hear any of that. And so I'm just saying, if I want to go for it, I'm going to go for it you're not popular enough for people to be talking about you like you think they are. You're not
1: (laughs) exactly right. Nor is anybody
0: else. And so, but you're letting it hold you back from living a life, full of adventure. Oh, that now that is just a good word for us to
1: just leave this podcast with. Cause <laughs> that is so true. Drop the mic. Baby. Drop the, mock. Mic, drop the boom, mic. Boom. Okay. You know, there we go. <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> Aaron, gotta just tell you, thank you for being on the program today. What an inspiring presentation and love what you had to say. And boy, I'm gassed up. I'm ready to start another 12 businesses myself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: come on, Larry. Jump in. Jump in Armin, <laughs> thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Larry, thanks for having yeah, yeah. me on. Yeah, so Aaron, good to have you. Honor.
2: I might come stock you in nashville when i'm stopping by. My-
0: <laughs> look for big a all right <laughs>
2: do.
1: thanks again Armin. that was aaron walker no big deal <laughs> just an ordinary guy like most of us that start a business when we're 18 and you know
2: seven to a fortune tell our
1: our wives tell us a couple of times that we're getting lazy and kick us off the couch you know
2: that i can relate to yeah i was gonna say my wife
1: probably said the same sort of thing but it isn't because you know i i I had a lot of money to not do anything with so you know kudos to him and how he has really taken really the inspiration perhaps from his wife Mm -hmm. and from some others to get going and to continue to do it again and again and now he is mentoring men yeah I think from across the country in these mastermind groups that he has formed and what a fountain of wisdom.
2: Yeah. And I just had a brilliant idea for Aaron. I would like royalties from this idea. If you're listening, Aaron, I think your wife should start a mastermind group for (laughs) entrepreneur wives. And that will blow up. I just want 10%. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and the title of her book, and this will be another 10%, Aaron, <laughs> will be right. Get Off the Couch. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Get your husband's butt off the couch. All right. Let's do what we normally do, Armin, and, and try to gather some of this wood, this lot, ton of wood that we got from Aaron and and make some sense of it for ourselves.
2: My favorite takeaway, and maybe it's because it's, it's something that... I would at least like to live my life by and hope that I do. And I know this is what you live your life by quite a bit as well is that relationships are your number one asset. He said that so many different times oh, yeah. and he kept talking about building meaningful relationships. Yeah. I love the fact that he is establishing, building, mentoring, coaching people to build their businesses, their reputations, their influence based on their relationship and teaching them that their relationships with people is, if they are meaningful, will be the most effective tool that they have in their arsenal of tools. And I love that.
1: Yeah. And it isn't just about the relationships for what they can do for you, mm-hmm. but the relationships and what you can do for others. And that's really, I think what he's talking about, you know, success is I like how he said that success is what I get mm-hmm. and significance is what I give. Right. And it's all about that. Right. And what's interesting about relationships is it's both successful and significant, right? It can right. help you be more successful in your endeavors because people can feed into your life, and mm-hmm. and I love what he said. He said the enemy of excellence is isolation. Oof, yeah, and it, that that doesn't just cut away all the other stuff, right? And right. and he was really talking about this. We tend to want to put on this air about ourselves as having more together than we really do, and right. I think if any of us could see inside the other or the way God does. Uh, you know, all of our pretenses would just go away because so you know, we go, you know what, they're just as screwed up as I am. Yeah. <laughs> and why do I have to, you know, try to spend all this energy right trying to project an image of something that I'm not?
2: Yeah. And it's draining. It is. You know, and I so I I'm glad he attacks that. And I love the fact that he said one simple thing is that I want to have a clear conscience with every single transaction. And I love that he took it to a relational level where it doesn't have to be a business transaction. Yes. Right. It's every engagement that I have. It's every yep. conversation that I have. I want it to be so meaningful that every night I go to sleep that I know that I added value to that person. Yeah. You know? You know, I worked with a client, I think we
1: talked about this on the reinventure me podcast. I worked with a client who kept a referral balance sheet. Their idea was we always want to be referring out business more than we're receiving referrals into business. And, that, yeah. and that's just a nice way to say, you know, am I contributing more than I'm getting? Right. right? And I think about that for myself. And, you know, and we, I think we talked about this in the Reinventure Me episode that we want to leave people better than we found them. You know, is there yeah. a way to invest in someone in a way that, it, that every encounter that we have with another, they feel like, oh, you know what, I'm better off because I've had that encounter. That's right. And I and I think Aaron's that kind of guy. I mean he totally is you know, when he's not on the couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or getting kicked off the couch.
2: <laughs> I have a feeling you find him on a golf course more than you find him on a couch. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would say so. I mean,
1: I think he you know, work, bring it on, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know what I like about his story, and of course he had that inflection point of hitting a pedestrian, which was a life change event right. for him right. and really a reorientation. Yeah. But I don't think you have to have that kind of dramatic reorientation of your life to get the significance of what he was talking about which he he looked at his life through the lens of legacy hmm. and you know he asked how am i going to be appraised you know is it going to be yeah okay well he was a guy who who made some caching and he spent the rest of his days on his on his couch right. you know, or whatever right. you know or is is he leaning it, leaning into investing in other people's lives and is he going to be seen that way now he did that earlier on i mean it wasn't he wasn't real young when he did it but earlier than most people tend to think about legacy. And oftentimes, right. you know, you think about, well, for instance, a president might think about the legacy they leave when they're in their last year, their lame duck of a uh, session, you know, of, of office, right. Mm-hmm. In a lame duck term. And, you know, for many of us, you know, I'm speaking for my generation now, I mean, more than yours, you but should. this is like uh, your future self may be speaking back to you. you know. <laughs> so this is like, you know, don't think about your legacy when you're already ready to, you know,
2: <laughs> right off in the sunset
1: <laughs> or whatever. But, you know, there's always a way to think about how we might live out our future. And mm. I, I'm, that's not to say that we shouldn't think about our legacy at any age, right. but I'm just saying there's so much more benefit to do it at a younger age when it isn't a natural occurring thought. Yeah. And so he had this life event that occurred mm. and that forced that kind of thinking for him, which I think really shifted, it seemed like, the priorities and moving from the success paradigm to a uh, significance paradigm. Now, what? What's also interesting in Aaron, and we didn't expressly talk about this, but you know, I've read a number of books about you know moving from success to significance and things like that, and it always seems like the implication is that you're giving up the other. You know that you're right. that you're that one is bad and the other is good, right? right? And and I, I think Aaron is embracing both. Mm-hmm. He's saying that, you know success not, isn't the problem, but if right. your orientation is only on yourself and your orientation is only on the things that you can accumulate then you're really missing a greater yes, really a greater piece that you can contribute.
2: And I think I like the part that he is tying success and significance together, like the way that you said, I know there's somebody listening out there that's saying, can you actually be significant without being successful first? Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that he he's breaking it down. It has nothing to say, Hey, I'm a successful business person or a successful lawyer, successful pastor, successful church planter, whatever it is. Now I can go add value. He's saying, no, you can do it in every single transaction, every exchange, every encounter. Yeah. But I love the fact that it's a holistic view, right? It's yep. saying success is your achievement, but the, the significance pieces, the value add pieces to other people, it's your fulfillment.
1: Yeah. You know, we've talked about this before in other podcasts, but I really like Ken Geyer's definition of success. When those who know you the best respect you the most. Yeah. Now, I like that. I mean, because it ties in this relationship element again, mm-hmm. you know, that, that you are most authentic with those who know you the best. I mean, they're going to know that you're warts. They're going to know, you know, you're good things. And if yeah. they're the ones that respect you the best, then you're living your life in a way that
2: would be judged a success. That's right. And by that. by any measure, I would think. Yeah, no doubt. It is, that is an awesome quote. I love that. I think final pieces for me, and I'll end on this just because I could probably talk about Aaron Walker for a while is the last three pieces is trusted advisors, mastermind groups, and purpose. I think those three things were probably my biggest takeaways that he gave me. I love the fact that he surrounds himself with trusted advisors and mentors and people that are his peers that are all speaking into his life, that when he's making a life-altering decision, he's making it not just with him and his wife, he's making it with these peers, his mentors. And I think that's something we talk about often, But even when I look at my life right now, I don't feel like I have that. Like I have mentors I go to once in a while, right? But do I have that once a week group that I go to all the time? Yeah. Are they that vested in me? Am I that vested in them? You know, I I have sporadic meetings here and there, but do I have that rhythm, the consistency where they're in my life where I'm not playing catch up every single time I meet them?
1: Yeah, that that is a key. And I think it really is at the epicenter of what Aaron was talking about consistent input. You Mm -hmm. you said consistency. And I think oftentimes we go to get input when we might be facing a decision. And he used an example of that, you know, where he took it to his mastermind group and they gave him input, but they wouldn't be able to give him that kind of input if he wasn't there on a regular basis anyway. Right. So it's cultivating that consistent relationship so that you have that ability to get input on your life. Now, the other piece of it that I'll thread into this in terms of consistent input was, and I listened very carefully to what he said, he spends an amazing amount of time with the Lord every day in a half an hour of silence before he goes into reading the yeah, word and
2: dismiss that one. It, well,
1: half an hour. Wait a minute. <laughs> let me get this right. It was a half an hour of silence before he spends a half an hour in prayer. Yeah. Now, not to dis- dissect a formula for how we're supposed to be devotional with our Lord, Yeah. However, the the piece that I appreciated about what he said was he not only surrounds himself with a consistent input with his mastermind and the other in the community of men that he meets with, but also a daily regular routine to get input from the Lord himself. And and right. that to me is like that's 360 surrounding consistent input. Right. And And he's got
2: his wife as well.
1: But not to mention the couch booter. <laughs> the couch booter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the strong arm of the law. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of stuff in this interview with Aaron Walker and I hope you enjoyed it. You likely picked up some things that Armin and I did, and we'd love to hear what you learned from this episode. So leave a us a comment or even questions you might have leave us a comment at boldideapodcast.com slash one nine you'll find the links to all of aaron's stuff that we talked about as well as an opportunity for you to sound off or if you prefer to doing it in voice we'd love to get your voicemail as well 612-568-IDEAS 612-568-4332 now of course armin and i are on all the social medias you can find us at Bold Idea Podcast everywhere all over the world that's right everywhere so, follow us there. We're glad that you're part of this program. We hope you enjoyed it, and we look forward to seeing
0: you next week. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.